Hey, I'm Carolyn, and I am a Lars slash Jessica. I'm Rebecca, and I am a Francis slash Lars slash Zoe. I'm Teresa, and I'm a Francis slash Tony, and this is Big Little Podcast here with our book club episode for Leanne Moriarty's Nine Perfect Strangers. So let's just start with your overall impressions of the of how well the book did or did not or the the move the show did or did not stick to the book rebecca why don't you start i mean i think it definitely adhered to the same plot for the most part Mm -hmm. but i think that all the things that bothered us about the series the book fixed Mm -hmm. (laughs) having Mm -hmm. watched the series first like all of my complaints and i don't want to like get into all of the nitty-gritty right now i'm just giving you kind of my Mm -hmm. surface opinion but that's really how i walked away from this book being like wow this feels much more resolved the ending makes more sense the characters mm-hmm. feel like their choices are more realistic to their development even though there are some strengths for sure in the show i mean it's just, it's hard to go backwards when you've read a book and then not see you know melissa mccarthy as francis mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. any contrary description to that kind of you have to rectify and deal with and i think that the delivery and like the dialogue is improved in the show in some places just because you've got it in the hands of someone like Melissa McCarthy, who's just a comedic mm-hmm. genius. But in terms of like a comprehensive story with a, de- a developed plot and rich characters, the book is vastly superior, as always. I mean, are we surprised to have this opinion? No. No. <laughs> no, I have the exact same opinion. I actually enjoyed the book a lot more than the show. Uh I was surprised. I mean, right from the beginning, I was much more um, curious and engaged. Now, knowing that, you know, I I had just watched the show and I knew that the book was going to be very different. Um, and the book really did take me on a journey that I agree. It felt more authentic, like for all of the characters. Uh, I actually found more suspense in the book than what the show mm-hmm. tried to create. So yeah, overall, for sure. Yeah, I, overall, I was just left kind of being like, "What the fuck did they do to this show?" Uh, yeah, and why? And why? Yeah, they they overbloated the show with unnecessary stuff and cut corners on the places in the book where it's like it really builds your character development. Like the book takes its time with the therapies, and I know that like starting things off with having them on a five day silent noble <laughs> silence is not necessarily like, the best TV. But you could have sped that up. You could have done like a time lapse of them. Just mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I just feel like there could have been more creative ways to like build that sense of development that the book does and the show did not. Because they're like, instead, let's cram up like a bunch of unnecessary things in here that are. Yeah, it's just people being high for yeah. like three episodes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that reveal doesn't come until much later in the book. And then you're like, oh, right. okay, got it. Now we're dealing with the fallout. Whereas like the television show resolved that by episode three of. Six. Yeah. Eight. Yeah. I don't even remember how many episodes there were. <laughs> well, so in terms of the therapies that they take much longer within the book, I think the main one is the escape room. Yes. Right? Like in the show, we see for all of like three minutes of the last episode, people and only a handful of them in this room where they're locked in and think they're going to die in a fire. But that is like, I don't know, maybe half the book. Yeah. Yeah. But here's the thing. So a big difference for me with the book and the movie was how Tranquilium is pictured, how I I would have pictured it. So Mm -hmm. in the show, they went with this very like new age Instagram, like 
-hmm. very clean lines, like open floor plan, like sweeping views, glass windows everywhere. But in the book, it's an old building built Mm -hmm. by convicts in the 1800s. And the yoga room, which is the escape room that we're referring to, was like an old wine cellar. Mm-hmm. Uh, that smells of wine, and that was an be... old Victorian, yes. specifically. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I mean that's can... far more appealing to me, right? Can you imagine being locked? The escape room that you're locked in for 48 hours without food smells like wine. Like that to me was like fucking torture when I was picturing <laughs> that and thinking of that. So you know, this is where I feel the show completely failed us because the book captures this claustrophobic setting and this kind of creepy old built by convicts Victorian house they're in this basement and I was thinking how magical something like that could have been for the show to capture that claustrophobia and with those tour de force actors they could have had this be so amazing and they chose to just not do that I was actually thinking that the reason they didn't do it is because, like, it would have been, like, four episodes of people locked in a room and would have driven crazy. See, I disagree. I think with good writing, it could have been one really good episode Mm. of this, of this moment. Or maybe, like, one and a half. I actually was thinking along the same lines that, like, this would have been, having read the book, a better movie. Mm -hmm. Like, I would have preferred to see this as a movie. Mm. Yeah, they really could have, like, chewed off some of the fat and really done this as a movie. And there would have been this, like, spooky element because of that, like, claustrophobia. You could have had, like, a haunted house almost adjacent vibe. And, like, this new age haunted house thing we're doing with, like, Bly Manor and stuff like that. It's not, like, a rickety haunted house. It's a... Mm Cerebral Victorian house. That they're all kind of seeing these ghosts from their past, like some of them literal ghosts as they're tripping and talking to them. And, you know, like Masha even seeing the ghosts like in the room through the monitors. And and also the image of like Masha's face on this like black and white screen talking to them. Mm. Like, Like Big Brother. Oh my God. There was so much that they could have done. And so in reading this book, I was just, I just found myself being like, well, I'll just rewrite this for them and I'll make a better screenplay. Like, <laughs> that was all uh, all I wanted. Um, so, yeah, this just made me more mad at Nicole Kidman and more mad at this series. So, um, there's also the resolution to this escape room, right? Because that's it's a little bit more of an actual, like, they set it up more like you just have to figure your way out in right. the book, right? Than they do in the mo- in the show where, where they trap like, them, mm-hmm. where they trap them and terrify them for like two minutes and then it's over. Um, and they're in there for days being unable to figure their way out. And then in the end, it's just that someone has unlocked the door at some point, but none of them have bothered to try the handle. <laughs> Which is great. That's classic Australian comedy right there. It's just like, great. I love that. It's a metaphor. It's wonderful. I think like, mm-hmm. I mean, I think you're right, Teresa. Like if mm-hmm. they'd done this as a television show, it would have been like every episode is a bottle episode. Mm-hmm. And that's just not sustainable for a viewer. But I think if it mm-hmm. had been a movie where the house gets to kind of be its own character mm-hmm. and it takes on that like tra- comedic tragic role in some regard like it's their prisoner but also like their liberator of all of these different feelings they're having that would have been far more effective but I loved reading it I think 
from a reading experience, it's an incredibly effective device to put all your characters in one room. And it solves the problem of like having to develop your characters separately when you have such a stacked cast mm-hmm. like of characters that you're trying to yeah. juggle. So I think from like a literary perspective, Leanne Moriarty certainly knew what she was doing there. I think it also could have been successful as like a three or four episode thing. Sure. Where like you have the first episode that's sort of setting everything up. Then yeah. there's like the second episode where maybe they're silent and kind of coming just you're getting to know the place a little bit better. And then maybe the last couple episodes are the really heightened. Um, it's, it's not scary exactly, but the, the heightened tension of this escape room situation. I think yeah. that Rebecca's right. This is a really well-written book. Uh, and I I just feel that the way it was written for me, I mean, I actually found myself laughing out loud at certain parts mm-hmm. in the book. I, I think in some ways the book was even, not only was it kind of creepier than the show, and the show went out of its way to try to become creepier, which was mm-hmm. weird to me that they missed that. Uh, and it was also funnier. And uh, because it was so well-written, it also had, I, I felt more emotions too and, and more mm. connection with the characters. Uh, over, overall, I, I just feel like having read the book now, the series was like total, total garbage. And I'm wondering, so <laughs> for you, Teresa, who read the book first, mm-hmm. uh, what was that like to experience this series? Because like, Having watched the series and then read the book, I was like, wow, this, I I was really wowed by the book. Um, but I'm wondering if I, what was it like the other way around? I think it made me, watching the show made me appreciate the book more. Because mm. the first time I read the book, I was kind of like an escape room really (laughs) like that's what this whole thing was like it just felt kind of cheesy to me and I think when we were talking about the show I mentioned this idea that I think Leanne Moriarty kind of takes things from pop culture and like what's happening at the time Uh, and plugs them into her books sometimes and and I think really I was just talking about this book to some degree because I remember thinking like she heard about escape rooms and was like, how do I turn this into a book? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Or she went to one, like a friend took her and she was yeah. just like, oh my God. What if we were trapped in here? Forever? <laughs> and so like that didn't really, I liked a lot about it. I, I, again, I loved the characters. I, I thought their interactions were great. I thought it was funny, but like that actual like plot device, I didn't love the first time around, but Having seen what they did to the show, I'm now like I'm I'm fine with the escape room. I'll take that over <laughs> over th- this weird drawn out just like strange trippy f- love fest for several episodes and goat killing and whatever else <laughs> happened in the show. I mean, I um, get why a person reading the book would make that decision being like, well, there's no mm-hmm. way we can keep them in an escape room for half mm-hmm. this plot. But to overstuff it with just like, you know, classic yeah. David E. Kelly red herrings, like this is going to be important. This is going to be important. And then, I mean, the whole Carmel plot, let's just get into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Feels now, having read the book, offensive almost. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, I just, I don't know why those choices were made. They don't seem to, ha- they had no payoff really in, as mm-hmm. far as the show is concerned. That was resolved no. and then we moved on from it. And then the resolution that Carmel was like going to be a forgiveness coach just felt unearned. Ew, but yeah. why would you deviate from the beautiful 
treatment in the story, which was so resonant and well done. I so agree. Carmel was like actually, so in the show, I hated her character from the beginning. I just felt like she was unhinged and you didn't really know why. And then when you find out why, it just all feels so, it, it was just such madness. But mm. in the book, she is so, there's something so like beautifully relatable about her. Yeah. And I, and, and just, oh, they ruined her. They ruined her. <laughs> le, le, for anyone who hasn't read the book. The, Chaotic if you're doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Car- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Carmel is sort of like, you know, the Carmel we meet at the very beginning of the show, minus some of the manic energy, is the Carmel we get in the book. Yes. Right? She's this beleaguered mom who insists that she's fat, even though she's not, because her husband has left her for a younger woman. And that really is just her journey in the book is she's someone who learns to love herself. And I, I agree that her ending is perhaps the most satisfying because it we get we, we get this series of postscripts about each of the each of the strangers in the book. And with Carmel we see her kind of welcoming home her daughters, her ex-husband is you know ravaged from the long plane fight and cranky and annoying and his new wife is kind of fed up with him and Sonia learns that the new wife one can't have children of her own and so her and I think we're supposed to understand that Carmela's sort of appreciating what her body has done for her yep mm-hmm. and that this new wife may be young and beautiful and whatever, but she can't get what she wants out of life because her body has sort of betrayed her in this way. Yeah. And, um, and she's all in to help take care of, to take care of Carmel's kids and kind of be a co-parent with her. And she wants to be the ballet mom, which Carmel doesn't want to do. And so she kind of has this revelation that she lost a husband, but got a wife and it was going to be so much better. And it's just like this really wonderful, like you wish this could happen for like every bitter divorcee out there. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) and that is the benefit of when you get divorced is you do usually get like a young, competent person that now has to deal with your ex-husband's bullshit. Yeah. What a blessing. Like, thank you for coming into Mm -hmm. my life and relieving me of this tired ass man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you love to see it. And I think that that story, if it had been played out in the series, would have been so resonant to so many people watching it. And it Mm -hmm. would have been like powerful TV moment of 2021 women Mm -hmm. come together and love their bodies. And yeah, it would have just been like, I think, a much more fulfilling, responsive ending than Carmel it's unhinged. Her eyes actually blue for reasons we're not going to get into. Mm-hmm. And she's the one that shot Masha. And Masha's forgiveness is what? Like, it just feels so cheap. And I wonder mm-hmm. if they were like, well, we want to give Regina Hall, you know, more to do because she is such a talented actress. But I, I would argue to anyone that would say that, that like Regina Hall would have done more with this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I feel that the book had so much the the attention to detail and emotion with the backstories uh like every for for all the characters Mm -hmm. just felt much more real like you're as you you know started to peel back the layers of these people and and get to know them and the things that they wanted and things that you want for them 
because you know as we know i was really dissatisfied with this like happy ending put a bow on it kind of thing Mm -hmm. that happened with the show now the book does have happy endings mostly but not for everybody and it felt i liked that a lot more me too the approach to how they're to how they the the books like follow up over the like i guess it's like about five years just kind of like and it was done really well at the end these short little chapters that were Mm -hmm. little check-ins on them Mm -hmm. like you kind of got these little like vignettes as they continued on i liked that a lot more than this kind of uh than the vignette endings that we got with the show and I think Ben and Jessica are the standout there, kind of. And, because, and I think that's one thing I couldn't let go of while watching the show, knowing their ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was that they don't stay together, that they both realize this is more of a goodbye than anything else. Yeah. And once, once Jessica realizes it. And so in the book, Jessica is like, I'm pregnant and you gave me drugs. And everybody's yeah. like, wait, what? She's yeah. not pregnant. Can she really be pregnant? We checked her blood and whatever. And she's not. She she's just not. thinks she is. And... At that point, they decide to have an amicable amicable divorce. And Lars is a divorce attorney, and he helps them split mm-hmm. everything up. Yeah, Lars, Ben, and Jessica all felt mm-hmm. like all of the issues we have with them in the show were fixed in the book. Mm-hmm. Well, and mm-hmm. it was interesting to me because Ben and Zoe forged yeah. a connection. And mm-hmm. so, wait, though, is Ben, do Ben and Zoe, do you guys think they end up together and that, like, the little boy named That's, Zach. Yeah, is that Ray and Lars's baby, or is that Ben and Zoe's? I think it's like ambiguous. Yeah. Oh, I I, I assume it's Lars and Ray. What's his name? Ray. That's what yeah. I would assume too. But I think it is kind of because they're specifically be. addressing the idea that they're they're going to try and have a kid. Right. I don't know why I thought it was like No, Zoe. no, I agree with you, Carolyn, though. Mm-hmm. I was thinking the same thing at first. I'm like, is this supposed to be that it's their kid? Yeah, because it, it says that he's holding a little car, which made me think that it would be Ben's little boy because Ben loves cars and, you know, had spent his money on that fancy car. And mm-hmm. uh, and the fact that, it, that he was named Zach, like, I guess it could be. Mm-hmm. It didn't even occur to me that it was like Lars and Ray's. I mean, the fact that his name is Zach, too, like, makes me think it is... I really felt like it was Zoe, Zoe and, ben. and Ben. I also think mm. that Zoe and Ben did not share one second of interaction in the show. Oh, at all. No, for sure. And I And that I, would have been a fun pairing. Zoe and they paired they chose to pair Zoe and Lars in the show. But then they were like them. halfway through like Lars and Carmel and then like Lars and Zoe's banter was just kind of like dropped. I know, mm. and they had been my favorite with their little banter. Whereas, uh, and I mean, in in the book also, like Zoe and Francis kind of have more interaction mm-hmm. and uh, and and kind of like some moments together right from the beginning. Um, so I felt like the Zoe character in the book was a very different character with a very different, uh, you know, and also like her her journey ends up being very different if you know with her connection forging a connection with Ben and everything. Uh, I, I, I did, I liked that Zoe, I liked the book Zoe better. And I really did want her to end up, I, I kind of liked the idea that she and Ben, you know, when it says like when Ben's, uh, sister dies and he calls Zoe instead, that Mm -hmm. to me, I was like, oh, (laughs) I don't know why, but I, I liked, uh, you know, I, I liked that connection there. And it also gave them both what they were missing, Mm -hmm. you know, and 
the show didn't even get that deep with it, but no. I think we all felt that it would have been a more satisfying ending, not knowing how the book ends, that Ben and Jessica splitting up would have felt more complete and more true to reality than them taking over Tranquillum, which oh, just God. seemed wild. Yeah. And now mm-hmm. to read that in the book they do split up, I'm like, well, no wonder we were kind of having that suspicion. Mm-hmm. And then to hear that they changed it, offensive. Why would you strip us of that reality? That's what makes stories compelling, David E. Kelly. And, and like, I feel like the book is much more... You, we can see that everyone got something out of this experience without endorsing the insanity of the experience, <laughs> which is what they're doing by putting Ben and Jessica at the helm yeah. to continue Tranquillum. Like, it's insane. And... Yeah, I, I, oh God, like, so let's talk about Masha's end yes. a little bit since we're, it feels <laughs> a little bit like we're there. Well, well, sounds like you've got some opinions, Rebecca, so go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think that Masha being like more of a clear cut sort of villain towards the end and then having mm-hmm. her suffer a legitimate real life consequence for her mm-hmm. actions and having also the strangers like be like this bitch is crazy mm-hmm. as opposed to the like corny or ending we got in the series was exactly what I wanted so I felt very satisfied I feel like what I'm trying to say throughout this whole show is that I am satisfied having read the book in a way that the mm-hmm. series left me dissatisfied mm. so I think that's my two second pitch for it if you finish that series being like oh really Read the book because it fixes all these problems. And it's funny because they use so many of the same elements at the end, right? Like they still have trouble. We see them having trouble kind of explaining to the police exactly what happened and what has happened to them. But the police don't just dismiss it yeah. and let her go and let everybody go. They they're like Yao and Masha both face consequences. Delilah does not because she's run off. She hasn't even helped save anyone. In the she's Lamborghini, which is much more iconic. I don't know yes. why they didn't yes. let her drive the Lamborghini off instead of the truck. Mm-hmm. Would have been very fun. She couldn't have rammed it through a fence. But and then the party we sort of see mid series where like it's a birthday party for Zach and yeah. Zoe and yeah. we get that at the end like they work together to like make this big feast and a cake and everything and have this great party and they come together on their own yeah, yeah. not because of anything Masha has I mean I guess because Masha has forced them into this chaotic situation but yeah well um, I think that tension between like did Masha actually succeed because of the outcomes they all had mm-hmm. that feel good or is Masha insane and they did this on their own I mean, at one point, I think it's the reason Delilah leaves is she realizes like any breakthroughs are only because of the drugs and Mm -hmm. that's not real. And Mm -hmm. I'm just like so glad someone said that in the book, because, yes, these drugs can be therapeutic and help you like work through things. But like they don't the the euphoria of being on a drug doesn't last. You still have to deal with your shit. And like for them to deal with that, like independent of Masha, you do finish the book with like more of that lingering. Like, is she actually a genius or is she batshit crazy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i think the book like wants you to feel that way in a way the show was just like really trying to hammer home that masha was a good lady tm in the end and none of them they all got their happy ending yeah Yeah. i think the show the the book wants you to know that like this therapy can be effective legitimate and effective but Masha herself was not. Yes, right. Which yeah. is not, I don't feel like, the message of the show. The show is trying all. to say Masha is really the therapy and the drugs take it or leave it, I yeah. think. Like, right. And that the death therapy is yeah. really what's important so there. The Masha in the book, to me, was so much more terrifying. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, and so, like, right at the beginning of the book, like, if I had was reading this book without having any prior knowledge, like, had not seen the show, Masha at the beginning, what's so scary is, like, at first when she's going through their names and she seems all concerned, like, mm-hmm. you know, you genuinely think, like, you're entering into this, you know, like a true wellness space and that she mm-hmm. she doesn't feel, I, I didn't get that, like, crazy impression, whereas, like, Right away in the show, like, Nicole Kidman just was incapable of playing her not batshit crazy. That mm-hmm. was, like, Nicole Kidman and David E. Kelly. That was, like, the choice from the beginning. Whereas the book, like, drops the crazy. It oozes out. I mean, it oozes out early, but, like, it oozes out slowly. And then it's, like, so strong and so creepy um, that I, I was... I, I, I loved the character of Masha in the book because she was a great villain. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just like I said, I mean, the image of her on that, like, on a screen in black and white, like, in this in this uh, escape room and where she's, like, eating the Doritos and salsa and smoking a cigarette. Like, yes, iconic. Yeah. I, I mean, like, it, they, it just really had this amazing arc for her where you get this, like, full batshit crazy, terrifying vibe. Uh, and I loved that. And and I feel that it was all better. It was just better done because of the backstory for her. And mm-hmm. like I said, the pacing of how of how uh, you're allowed to kind of unfold these layers to Masha. Whereas in the show, and I really do still blame Nicole Kidman for this. It was just <laughs> so flat that like you weren't even afraid of her. Well, I think there's... Th- so... You mentioned her backstory, and so in the show, we get all this weird stuff about her and Yao and her and mm. Delilah and their mm-hmm. weird, I don't know, thruple. I don't know what's happening there. It doesn't seem like everybody's in on the secrets, it, whatever, which is Yao is in love with Masha. Yes. But it doesn't seem to, there's not necessarily a sexual relationship happening. There. No, she's just like manipulating no. him. And- right. And Delilah doesn't have anything to do with any of it. And no. th- then we get the story at the end where we we do know that Masha has had a kid who had a kid who died. But <laughs> then she had another kid who right. she abandoned because she just didn't feel like she was a good mother. Right. And you know, and now that kid has a kid who she doesn't even know. And mm-hmm. I mean that that whole revelation in the book, like I think that that just made Masha an even more disturbing character in such yeah. a wonderful way. Whereas mm-hmm. the show, with this whole thing with her daughter and being shot, where I, I I didn't need any of that. It was a much better character to go with mm-hmm. what they had in the original in the original text. And it also shows you how like unqualified she is to be helping anybody with anything. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, she can't deal with her own grief to the point where she actually abandons her child and then goes on to become such a workaholic that she, you know, nearly, she does drop dead, right? Yeah. Like they revive her, but she dies of a heart attack and they bring her back. And then she goes on this insane wellness kick mm-hmm. that she's still not even doing great because she goes on these... Because she mentions, like, oh, she's going to eat these chips and salsa, but she's probably just going to throw them up after. Yeah. So, like, she's not even really, like, able to, you know, regulate herself. 
She also, and, like, doesn't really want to be doing it either. Like, she's got that right. one passage where she's, like, bitching about how there are people mm-hmm. there and how she yeah. liked it best when she was just there renovating it and the fact that she has to now actually deal with fixing people's shit mm-hmm. all day long. She's just, like, over it. She just wants and to be, And she wants like, to go back to be corporate. Yeah. The corporate Yeah, way. she wants to just, like, be a, a microdosing Silicon Valley yeah. corporate mm-hmm. per- Like, do that, queen. Like, you don't need to be doing this. <laughs> yeah. But I, again, a richer, more interesting mm-hmm. portrayal of the character than whatever it was Nicole Kidman was serving. <laughs> she was serving like nothing. That's the problem. There was nothing. Like she, she just was so utterly unbelievable and just lacked. There, there was. It was a nothing performance other than the weird wig and her shitty accent. <laughs> there was nothing there. And reading, and I thought maybe, okay, maybe it was. I, I was kind of secretly hoping that I'd read the book and find Masha to be the like kind of this like empty character, and that maybe it just focused on all the other characters. But Nicole Kidman had this like beautifully written, complex, crazy character, and I. And she could have at least pulled something from that, from somewhere, even with the mm-hmm. crappy writing of the show to contend with. She could have had something happening. Uh, and there was only, like, maybe, like I said, maybe in that last episode, there was, like, one or two moments where I was like, oh, okay, she showed up to act today. Mm-hmm. But I, I, the Masha character in the book uh, would actually kind of live on in my mind as, like, an iconic character of, like, a real... Like a really good creepy villain, like and that... her and her ultimate ending makes a lot of sense because mm-hmm. after she gets out of jail, the the sort of reveal that she has this second son and a grandson and everything is that her husband sees her ex husband sees her on TV when she's pushing her book where she's still trying to push the psychedelic therapy just in a less insane way. Yeah, and he holds the baby up to the screen and says like, "That's your crazy grandmother." Like. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, which, again, made me laugh. Like, I honestly, like, I really want, I, I wanted so much after reading this book to actually see the show based on this book in a I feel way. like Leanne Moriarty should have had more of an active hand in this. And Agreed. I know they said they gave her, she gave her blessing, but I don't think She's she was. She's also an executive producer, I think. I know. I wish she was like, had been like a screenwriter or something for it. Like it actually mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. used some of her. Because the writing was good in places, but I'm talking like more of the plot mechanics like needed her, mm-hmm. her restraint. Because otherwise yeah, really it went too tried Hollywood. To, they tried to amp things up for TV in a way that didn't need to happen. Right. And that wasn't ultimately successful and tried to turn it into something that the book wasn't. And no, I don't know when screenwriters are going to learn that like they just mess up books yeah. and they should just stick. I have anyone read any uh, like reactions other than her saying that she gave her blessing? Has Leanne Moriarty reacted at all? Probably to this not. Or she's done... getting a nice fat check. I'd be quiet yeah. too. Mm-hmm. I guess fair, but I would just be interested in any opinion. I'm sure she has one. I, I would be fascinated by her opinion of what they did here because I really think that um, that this really bastardized her work in a way I have not. Uh, I did not expect at all. Like it was, they were very different to me. And I, wonder... I mean, we might we might hear from her in like ten years or something. But I think it would be in bad taste for her to go out and dump on other people. Like if she didn't, she could do. It feels like at this point she could do what basically. I mean, we talked about this on our other podcast when we forced Carolyn to watch Simon Birch, <laughs> and that, that John Irving when he 
like agreed to let a studio make a prayer for one meaning into a book he said like but I want final script approval and if I don't like it you have to change the name and you have to change the characters names and you have to do all this and that's what he did when he felt like this wasn't his story and he didn't like come out afterwards and be like god this is a giant piece of crap which the movie was it was terrible and like so I think it would be sort of in bad taste for her to come out and talk about everybody else but maybe she'll do it when she's old and doesn't need money anymore no I get that but I just wonder why she didn't set up like the John Irving contract mm-hmm. from the beginning saying like, hey, I, I, you know, let's, let's, uh, how much did she care? Did she care how they changed it? Uh, well, you know she- what, to be honest, if I was her, I would trust David E. Kelly and Nicole Kidman because of Big Little Lies, because that yeah. was a great adaptation. Yeah. So I'm wondering like when she read this script, if she was like, what the fuck? And she was like, well, I'm in it now. Um, I know we're not going to get answers on this, but I'm just fascinated thinking from her perspective as uh, as a writer and having created this, which in some ways I think this book was stronger than Big Little Lies. I think it's like yeah, better I agree. written. And uh, I, I think it was a really, really unique, uh, it was a really unique book. And uh, I, I wonder what she, how she felt. Well, she also agreed to, you know, help write season two of Big Little Lies, which was a nightmare. So Yeah, that's know, true. I don't know what happened. She may not have happened. the best judgment. Yeah, I don't know what yeah. happened there either. Um, but let's talk about Francis and Tony a little, because I think there's, we still get the romance we want from them, but in a much more extended version. And I think it's much more successful in the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, like, to see the chemistry on screen is nice mm-hmm. when it's in the hands of Melissa McCarthy and Bobby Cannavale. And that's who, of course, I was picturing. So mm-hmm. I was very into it. I felt like I was reading, like, really well-written fan fiction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but so the ending specific, like, you don't even get that much. I mean, you get a little bit of their connection during the main part of the book, and you start to see that kind of blooming. Yeah. But nowhere near what we get in the show. And then at the end, Frances has the presence of mind. Instead of, like, this freak out where she pushes him away, she has the presence of mind to slow it down mm-hmm. and be like, I'm not just going to move to a new city because of him. I'm not just going to do all this. And we see their relationship play out in those postscripts where it's like, first they're just talking on the phone a lot and, like, kind of exercising. You know, they're, they take walks and they talk to each other while they walk. And then... Finally, he's going to go to Holland on a trip to see his grandkids. And she's like, yeah, I'm going to go too. And then that's where their romance starts. And he comes to her. He moves in with her. And we see that she gets the romantic ending she wanted without throwing herself away and her life away to make it happen. And it's so much more satisfying than the sort of weird treatment of it in the show where, like, she just kind of freaks out and pulls away, but then goes right back into it. I think it's not that it, it's not just more satisfying. It is more satisfying, but it's Mm -hmm. also just more believable and Mm -hmm. real. And, uh, you know, I, I think the whole there, I guess, you know, there are some things that books can do that shows and movies can't always. And, and in Mm -hmm. this book where you get each chapter has a different, you know, goes through the different characters' perspectives, like it's narrated kind of, you know, a chapter will focus on one of the characters. So you get more into their mind and you get to understand them a little bit better. 
Uh, and I, I kind of, I loved, I, I think that of everything that was translated from the book to the series, I think the Tony and Francis relationship is the thing that stays the most true. Mm-hmm. Like the way they meet, the, you know, yeah, the, the whole, like inner, all of their interactions, they're kind of like not really being sure of each other at first, turning into this like awkward flirtation, uh, and then budding into this little romance. Uh, but I, again, it was just, it was like the series just saw like these opportunities and they're like, yeah, this is well written in the book, but what if we did it this way? Let's mm-hmm. see what happens. And, uh, I, I guess of everything, theirs kind of stayed the most true to me. And I totally agree with you, Rebecca. It was like fan fiction for me. I was picturing them the whole time. Uh, and it was interesting though, because the other characters, I didn't necessarily picture the actors from the series. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also think it like doesn't center the importance of their relationship as much. Like it allows mm-hmm. them to deal with their own stuff. And yeah. in the show, when Frances first appears, you're kind of led to believe that the most pressing problem is her writing issues mm-hmm. and not being successful and all these perceived things, which was very compelling. And then as the show progressed, it became more and more about Paul, Mm-hmm. Which also okay. was fine, like, if that was the story, but it felt like now we're conflating, like, two different issues and making them all about how she just, like, really, all she really truly needs and wants is a stable relationship that Tony mm-hmm. is going to provide her. And then you get, at the end, that very, like, throwaway in the show of her book on the dashboard. And you're like, oh, so she wrote her book. But it was kind of, like, setting up that equivalency that because she was fulfilled by Tony, she was able to write this great book. Whereas mm-hmm. in the book... It's like because of her growth as a person, she's able to have a successful relationship and write a good book. Well, also in the show, she's basically just writing the book that we all just read, right? She right. writes yeah. Perfect Strangers. Right. So, and in the in the book, she it's you know she gets back with her old editor who's starting his own imprint, and so he's willing to take her on, but he he wants her to like add a murder right. or something. Yeah, you know, it's not just straight romance anymore. He wants her to spice it up. So we get more of an idea of she's still doing what she always did. She's just kind of branching out a little bit, not you know just taking this experience she just had and turning it into a book. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I like that her writing her career has evolved from this experience yeah Yeah. uh that that she has this kind of new like she she and she's not even at first when the editor says to her like oh make it a murder she's like i don't know if i have that in me um and i i liked that i also liked that we find out that her that the uh woman who wrote that like bad review of her other Mm -hmm. books that we find out that she like lives out her life in misery um i thought that was just like such a like for a writer to put that in a book as sort of this like poetic justification of like the, Mm the the person that you know there are all these happy endings happening but the person who doesn't get a happy ending is the person who gave a bad review to the book (laughs) i like that i mean definitely the book made me mad about things in the show i wasn't mad Mm -hmm. about watching it (laughs) like (laughs) Like what i don't know like so many little things like i wasn't that mad about like the francis and tony resolution Mm -hmm. i wasn't like overly mad about the Carmel thing. Was I like, this is lame and not believable? Sure. Mm -hmm. But was I mad about it? No. 
And now having read the book, I'm like, yeah, I'm mad that they did Carmel dirty like that. And I'm mad mm-hmm. that they, like, did Francis dirty like that. Yeah, can you mm-hmm. imagine my rage? Because I was mad with the show. And yeah. then reading the book, <laughs> I'm mad about I was, Ben and Jessica, like, that resolution. I'm, like, about to send hate mail to Hulu. <laughs> I'm mad about Lars, too. Like, Lars being a divorce attorney to make it up for the fact that he had, like, a not-so-great yes. childhood. Mm-hmm. And then, like... That made his whole desire to have a baby and, with Ray make more sense because that also felt like it was out of left field in the show. Yeah, in the show, it felt like basically he just hadn't come to terms with being gay. Yeah. Uh-huh. And like he got teased when he was young. So that's what he's dealing with and why he won't have a kid now, even though that's pretty much the story of any gay man of a certain age. And yeah. like they all seem to get over it. So what's the problem? And. In the book, Lars, basically his dad left his took left his mom with nothing, and so he grew up poor, and she was struggling all the time, and so he's like become a divorce attorney with a vengeance who only helps women. Yeah, so much more compelling. Yeah, so much more interesting, and makes you love him because yeah. like he's a crusader for women who are being treated badly by their husbands. And meanwhile, and then, sorry. It's okay. And then we get this idea that he helps Ben and Jessica split amicably. So we also see that maybe he's no longer the shark he used to be. Yeah. That he's more interested in helping people heal and get through their divorce without a bunch of vitriol, mm-hmm. which is also really interesting. Yeah. Totally agree. I feel that if they had stuck to that Lars character, the relationship between how he could have re- like interacted with uh with Francis who is you know who has suffered relationship problems and divorce and mm-hmm. you know and how he could relate to Carmel and mm-hmm. even the Marconis who are having friction because of the tragedy like just the the kind of character he could have been uh and I mean it was so unnecessary for Lars to be this like journalist kind of on the DL in at Tranquillium like that didn't serve any purpose in the end it was just it was just weird like because he was there filming and then all of a sudden was like yeah I decided not to do it it's not my business so it was just kind of like yet Mm -hmm. another cop-out on the show's end whereas like in the book the character of Lars if they had taken that to the screen and it would have been really brilliantly portrayed and they could have had again another missed opportunity to have this like really like rich character with the potential for these connections that are there in the book. It, it just, I'm so confused. I, I, when I finished this book, I was like, what the fuck did I just watch? It wasn't this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So do you recommend people read the book, even whether or not they've seen the show? Yes, Definitely. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Read the book. Especially if you've seen the show. I feel like you'll feel better about it. What about you, Teresa? Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I liked this book. I like, I've liked all of Leanne Moriarty's books that I've read. I've read at least one or two others than Big Little Lies and, and this one. And I think they're, they're just fun. Re- like they are, if you want a slightly elevated beach read, you can't go wrong with a Leanne Moriarty book. And I think this one, she does an especially good job of really fleshing out her characters. I I, I think you guys were right in that this is like 
I don't know if I agree that it's better than Big Little Lies. I think the story there is a lot more believable. and But I think she does a really great job of getting into these really believable black backstories of like traumatized people. Mm. And and I, I even if the plot goes off the rails to me, that is often the best thing about a book is like the sort of understanding and empathy it gives you for other people. So I, I, I really liked this one. But with that being said, that brings us to the end of our nine perfect seasons. Wow. Um, season. No, I love that. That brings us to the end of our nine perfect strangers <laughs> season. Um, but we have a little surprise on Instagram. Rebecca, do you want to tell people what they can do and where? Sure. So instead of just like leaving you high and dry, we're going to try and do a mini episode, maybe two, who knows. But in the meantime, we are going to put a poll up on our Instagram, giving you, the people, the, our loyal listeners of Big Little Podcast, the chance to weigh in on what we cover for our mini episode. So look for that on Instagram. I'll put a post up first telling you when the stories are going up. Head over to the stories, take the poll, let your voice be heard, and the majority will decide what we talk about next. And for anyone who doesn't already follow us on Instagram, That's what's the... Good one, Teresa. That's handle. very important. The handle is <laughs> at Big Little Podcast. That's it. All right. Thank you for listening to Big Little Podcast. If you enjoy our show, please consider becoming one of our valued podcast supporters at www.thebiglittlepodcast.com or just leave us a positive review on your favorite podcast platform. Can't get enough of us? Follow us on social media at Big Little Podcast for exclusive content in between new episodes.